Hi, my name is Andy Chamberlain, and this is the Creative Writers Tool Belt, the podcast that gives you advice and insight that you can apply straight away to your own writing. You can find out more at my website, andrewjchamberlain.com, where you'll also find information about the Creative Writers Tool Belt handbook, which condenses all of the very best advice and insight from my expert guests and me in one place. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Creative Writers Tool Belt and that it's helpful to you on your writing journey. And welcome to episode 113 of the Creative Writers Tool Belt. It's been a busy month for the podcast. This is the third episode I've released in February, but I really wanted to share this one with you. And I have another episode waiting in the wings featuring the story grid development editor, Laurie Puma, and I'll bring bringing that one to you very soon. So what have I been up to? Well, I'm spending quite a lot of my time at the moment talking to really interesting people for the podcast and getting those episodes sorted out so that I can share them with you. And that's been great fun. I'm also preparing for the Novel Ideas Conference that I'm going to be speaking at in July with my friend Wendy H. Jones. And we're going to be in Dundee in Scotland for that, which I know for like 98% of you is a long way away. But if you're near Scotland, please do come along. That date again is the 28th of July. And we're going to be looking at a range of issues, including structuring your novel, writing the killer first line, showing not telling, the light and dark of story, and we'll be giving you tools and practical tips for better narrative. We're going to have a great time and we will give you loads of resources to really get you fired up for writing that novel that you've always wanted to work on. And look, it's just £30 for the day with our discount code, and that includes refreshments and lunch. So come along, come and tell me about your writing projects. What do you want to do? What are you struggling with? I'd love to meet you. If you're interested, just go to my website, andrewjchamberlain.com, and follow the link to the conference booking office page there. You can use the special discount that we've created for Creative Writers Toolbelt podcast users to get 25% off the standard price of £40. And that discount code is E. 2-W-N-I. That's the letter E, the number 2, and then the letters W, N, and I. That's the Novel Ideas Conference, Saturday the 28th of July in Dundee in Scotland. Now, one more thing I'd just like to say, if you've bought a copy of the Creative Writers Toolbelt Handbook, first of all, thank you very much. I really do appreciate that. And I hope that the insights and tips from that book are proving to be of value to you. If you have bought a copy, please make my day by writing a review of the book, put it on amazon.com. That review would be really helpful to me right now. Thank you. So back to business. Now, there was a thought that came to me just a few weeks ago, right out of the blue. And that thought was this. We writers have the most important job in the world. Now, perhaps that sounds to you like the usual kind of fluff that you hear on the Internet. And at the time, I didn't take it that seriously. But then I got to thinking about that assertion. We writers have the most important job in the world. And as I thought about it, I realised that just maybe this is a true statement. Perhaps writers do have the most important job in the world. And the more I thought about this, the more reasons I thought of to suggest that this is in fact absolutely true. So now I do think that we writers have the most important job in the world. And in this episode, I'm going to tell you why I think this is the case and also look at three fundamental things that we can all do in response to this truth. So first of all, let's have a look at why stories are important. Here are four reasons why I think that is the case. First of all, stories are a great way to learn things and transmit wisdom. So consider this, we can learn in different ways. We can learn from direct experience. Now that's fine, but we can't learn everything from direct experience. 
we don't have the opportunity. And in some cases, it would be too dangerous. So that leaves us with some other options. Now, we could be just told stuff, but there's a problem with that because just being told stuff is dull. Just being presented with sets of rules is boring. We don't like it. And because of that, we may not take it in. So for example, it's not a good idea to learn the hard way that it's wrong to steal. But if somebody just says to you, you must not steal, you might not take that in. You might not pay attention. What would be far better is to learn from a story. So don't say to somebody, you must not steal. Tell them the story of the forbidden cookie jar. You might not take much notice if somebody says to you, you must not tell lies, but you might pay more attention If they tell you the story of Pinocchio, the boy whose nose grew when he didn't tell the truth. A good story is the happy medium between somebody nagging us about the rules, which is boring, and direct experience, which might be beyond our ability to go and get or potentially dangerous. Now, this principle that stories can transmit wisdom is as old as humanity. As an example, consider some stories from over two and a half thousand years ago, Aesop's fables. Aesop created his collection of moral stories around 600 BC. As one example, let's have a look at the hare and the tortoise. This story shows us that it's the slow but persistent, steady approach rather than the one that is one mad burst that will achieve success. And that actually is a piece of advice that's very relevant to writers. Here's that story very briefly. There was once a hare who boasted of his speed before all the other animals. I have never yet been beaten, said he. I challenge anyone here to race with me. The tortoise said quietly, I accept your challenge. That's a good joke, said the hare. I could dance around you all the way. Keep your boasting till you've beaten me, answered the tortoise. Shall we race? So a course was fixed and a start was made. The hare darted almost out of sight at once, but soon stopped and, to show his contempt for the tortoise, lay down to have a nap. The tortoise plodded on and plodded on, and when the hare awoke from his nap, he saw the tortoise just near the winning post, and the hare could not run fast enough to catch up with him and save the race. And so the tortoise won the race. I hope you can see how, without explicitly saying so, The story shows us how this maxim, that a slow and steady and persistent approach is a very powerful strategy, can be presented and in fact is transmitted as a piece of wisdom more powerfully and more successfully through story than just by somebody saying it outright as an abstract concept. And so stories are the most effective way for one person or one generation to transmit wisdom to the next. The second reason why stories are so important, stories remind people of who they are and what they could be. A good example of this is stories which follow a variation of the hero's journey. Now, these kinds of stories have been around for millennia. They're very old and they're still popular today. Now, I think one of the reasons for that is that we all want to be somebody. We all, unless we've given in to despair, aspire to be significant, to meet the challenges that life presents us. And we like to think that we can achieve the goal that has been set for us. Stories give us a a way to believe in that. Stories show us how we can achieve our goals, how we can overcome those obstacles. They help us to establish our identity and our values and the identity and values of our culture. And so because of this, stories inspire people. They help to remind them of who they are. They help to make them realize what they could be. The third reason why stories are so powerful is because they remind people of the truth. A story is a really good way to say something which is both true 
and difficult or true and controversial. It's a way of presenting something to the listener that they would more likely receive and accept compared to them receiving it in an abstract way. Now, for this to be true, the story has to contain a narrative which the reader finds believable. It doesn't have to be the truth. It doesn't have to be completely objective, but it does have to be authentic in that the recipient can connect with the story and they can believe in what is being presented to them. And if they're able to do that, if they're able to trust in the story in that way, even the difficult truths, even the really challenging stuff that people have to learn can be presented effectively to them. Final reason why stories are so powerful is because they connect people together. We can connect with others through stories, especially those stories that focus on themes or morals that are centered on concerns that we all have. Imagine a story about a man who goes out to find food for his family or a woman who goes out to find water for her children. These stories will appeal to a basic instinct in all of us. We don't care primarily about where this drama is happening. We don't care what the man or woman in the story believe. We don't care what race they are. All of those things are incidental to the core of this story. And that desire to provide for those we love is an understandable concept. We can relate to it. This is why stories are so powerful at bringing a great many people, disparate people, together. So that's some of the reasons why stories are important. So let's extend that now and think about why the role of storytellers is important. And the first reason, of course, is that if telling a story is an important act, then being a storyteller is important as well. The storyteller is transmitting and preserving something important. Identity, wisdom, vision. If you are the storyteller, you're not really telling people how to do something, but you're telling them who they are and why it's worth doing it in the first place. You're translating the hard-won wisdom of years and centuries to a new generation, to those who, if they capture the heart and vision of the story, will be able to absorb the precious insights that it contains. But more than this, there are other reasons why being a storyteller is important. And the second one I can think of is this. Being a storyteller teaches us not just to look and hear, but to observe and listen. Some of you will know that I talk about the practice of presenting sparse and specific description in our narrative. And this means you don't share great reams of information with the reader, but what you do share is very sharp and very specific and very sensory. Now to deliver that quality of work, we all need to be good listeners, to be good observers of everything that's around us. The third reason why being a storyteller is so important is because as storytellers, we get a chance to shape the culture. Storytellers, like all artists, don't just reflect the culture, don't just reflect back wisdom. They inform and shape the culture. As storytellers, we have a chance to influence the future. The culture and worldview of a society is not static, it changes over time. The conventional wisdom shifts and moves with the currents that impact the culture. Consider the example of Harper Lee's famous novel, To Kill a Mockingbird. Now that book was published in 1960 and it tapped into a cultural debate that was happening in America at that time around justice and race. Now that book had consequence. It was able to interpret and inform some of the critically important themes of its culture and age. George Orwell's fantastic book, 1984, is another example of this. A superbly presented critique of ideology of both the left and the right. It's a highly engrossing story, but it also manages to present a truth of what ideology can turn a society into. So as a storyteller, you have the power to create work that will not only reflect the culture, but will tap into and inform it. You have the power to make the future. Finally, being a storyteller shows us how to be human 
and to engage with the challenges of our humanity. The setting of a story is not only the environment that the story presents, there is also an inner setting, an inner territory, which is what it means to be human, to act and react as a human, and to deal with the challenges and delights of our humanity. Now I'm going to say that again because I think it is really important. The setting of a story is not just the environment that the story is set in, it's also the inner environment, the inner territory, which show us what it means to be human, to act and react as a human, and to deal with the challenges and delights of humanity. In stories, we can explore not only the limits of our humanity, but also the impact of various philosophies of life. When Shakespeare has Hamlet speak his famous soliloquy that starts with those words, to be or not to be, that is the question. What he's really doing in dramatic form is presenting the merits or otherwise of suicide. He is exploring through art the challenge of being. To give you another example from cinema, when Danny Boyle presented his iconic reflection on the meaninglessness of the consumerist life in his film Trainspotting, he was presenting a deeply important issue in a very accessible way. Now this is the power we have as storytellers. So what then shall we do? Well, there are three things that we can do when we understand how important our job is as storytellers. And the first one is this, we strive to be authentic. This is something that I've advocated in previous episodes. That capacity for authenticity sharpens the power and the strength of our stories. It increases the chance of our connection with readers and it helps us to ensure that what we're saying is trusted, not just read and enjoyed, but really trusted by the people who are reading it and hearing it. And a trusted story is a story that has real leverage for good or ill with the person who's on the receiving end of it. The second thing is we must practice our craft. We need to sharpen the tools of our trade. We need to learn to use new tools and practice with them as we do our writing. As writers, we are primarily apprentices and artisans, not scholars. We don't learn about writing, we learn to write better. As we practice our art, it will improve and it will strengthen our power to do all of the things I've been talking about in terms of influencing people and influencing the wider culture around us third and final thing I think we need to do is to pay the price. And I mean that in terms of persistence and courage. I think in so many ways we need to be brave as writers and to decide to pay that price. So for example, there will be at least one thing in your head, an opinion, a viewpoint that will not be popular. It won't be in line with the current conventional wisdom. Are you brave enough to write a story about it? Do you have the skills and tools and abilities to present that story in a credible and compelling way? Can you defend your unpopular vision in the literary marketplace? Can you make it good enough to be trusted by those who support you and respected, albeit grudgingly, by those who disagree with you? And then as well as being brave, there's also a price to pay in terms of persistence. Will you continue with the project, even when you have no time, it seems, and little enthusiasm? Writing is not a sprint, it's a marathon, as the tortoise friend so ably demonstrated earlier. And to paraphrase one of Jeff Goyne's superb pieces of advice, achievement in writing doesn't come from just setting goals, but from developing good habits. So let's strive to be authentic in our work. Let's practice and improve with the tools that we have. And let's pay the price in terms of our courage and our persistence. And if you can do all of those things, then you can have the most important job in the world, which is to tell wonderful, inspiring, informing stories and to affect both the current and future culture. And in the process, 
you can give people the most precious things in life. Identity, purpose, vision and wisdom. So that's it. And today I have quoted from the following works. Aesop's Fables and the version that I have used today is derived from the website taleswithmorals.com. I've also referred to Shakespeare's play Hamlet, to the film Train Spotting, directed by Danny Boyle. I've also referenced the writer and entrepreneur Jeff Goins, the book To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee, and 1984 by George Orwell. I hope this has been useful to you. If you want to find out more about all of the tools that you need to practice and improve your craft, check out the previous episodes of the Creative Writers Toolbelt podcast. There's over 100 of them out there. And there's also the Creative Writers Toolbelt handbook, which condenses the very best advice and insight from me and all of my guests over the first 100 episodes. It's the wisdom of dozens of professional editors, authors and agents all in one book. You can find it on Amazon and through my website, andrewjchamberlain.com. That's the Creative Writer's Toolbelt Handbook in paperback and Kindle. So that's it for this episode. I do hope this has been useful to you. As ever, thank you for listening and goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Creative Writer's Toolbelt podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or me, just go to my website. It's andrewjchamberlain.com.